Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for joining me. My guest this week is Trent McClellan. Trent's a hilarious comedian. He's also a cast member on the Canadian comedy sketch show, This Hour Has 22 Minutes. Uh, We ended up uh, taping this uh, episode before all the protests broke out in the States and George Floyd's death. Uh, It's kind of unfortunate because Trent would be an amazing voice to actually talk about a lot of the racial issues going on in the world right now. And... um, yeah, he actually had a good podcast that he just put out, uh, which you can check out on his podcast, and the link is in his website, which is in the podcast description of mine, uh, and it's called Black in Canada, and he basically talks with a bunch of other black comedians in Canada, and they talk about their experiences growing up and coming through the Canadian comedy scene, so I really do recommend that podcast if you want to learn a little bit more about racism, which uh, does exist in Canada as well. And I do want to show solidarity to all the protests and Black Lives Matter. And uh, hopefully we can actually get some change out of this. Uh, but thank you guys for tuning into another episode. And uh, if you guys can please uh, subscribe, like, give uh, what you call it, all those ratings on um, Apple Music, iTunes, and any other uh, podcast platform. That always helps get this thing seen and I really do appreciate it and uh, me and Trent did have an amazing conversation here and he's a good friend of mine so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode everybody my guest today Trent McClellan hey everybody welcome to another episode of God yay or nay today I'm here with uh, Trent McClellan he's uh, from this hour has 22 minutes Trent thanks for joining me my man yeah good to see you man it's been a while I hope you're doing well Oh, I hope you're doing well. Uh, you must be uh, off the show for uh, like the time being, I guess, right? Yeah, we wrapped up uh, February 28th, and then uh, I was four shows into a tour when the whole COVID thing uh, hit us, and then I had to, that was it. I had to cancel the rest of the show, so I still had about 18 shows left to do on the tour, and then I was like, it's done, we're out, So, um, which kind of sucked, but you understand what's happening, and I was like, I couldn't. This even before... There are any confirmed cases out east where I was, where I started the tour, but you could tell people were getting antsy about like, yeah, I don't know, it's you know, there's things going on other places, maybe we shouldn't. So we kind of got ahead of it a little bit. We're like, yeah, I don't think this is not a good time to be touring. So um, hopefully, get back to those places again at some other time. Yeah, man. Um, and like, yeah, you're lucky you get to tour like all around Canada. You're kind of living like uh, the dream life of uh, kind of like what a lot of us uh, comedians come up with. Um, do you actually like? So a lot of my uh, fans there um, for the podcast, a lot of them aren't like comedians or don't know the comedy world too well. Do you mind giving us a little bit of a background of where you're from? and how you got into comedy? Sure, man. Um, originally from Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, and moved to Calgary, Alberta in 2003. And up to that point, I'd never been on stage before. I just was like, you know, class clown in high school kind of thing and holding court with your buddies type deal. And then um, when I got ready to move to Calgary, I was like, man, I want to try stand-up. So I used to work with kids like after-school programming at boys and girls clubs and community centers. And um, 
But I go, if I moved to Calgary, they got a comedy club there. Because Newfoundland had no comedy scene at all when I left. Like, there was no club. There was no open mic. Like, it just didn't exist as a medium, like, to do. So I decided if I go to Calgary, they got an open mic or an amateur night, I'm going to go. So moved in 03. Spring of 04, I finally got the courage to get up on stage for the first time. And then that was it. I was hooked. I was like three years then of staying working at boys and girls club and then on weekends i'd be blown off to like bonnieville alberta and uh kindredly saskatchewan and i'm playing the community center and um that was my weekends and then man yeah i just after three years i got to do it full time i walked away from my day job and and uh never looked back after that so i was i was hooked pretty early and and uh started hitting the festivals and stuff and doing my own tours and joined 22 minutes i guess it was uh three and a half years ago now this will be the fourth year coming up so it's been good man comedy's been good to me yeah buddy um you've had a great uh, career and uh one thing like uh so when i started doing comedy in calgary so you must have been probably a good decade into it uh, around that time but uh you you always used to talk to us young comedians like i always kind of like thought of you as a little bit of a mentor you um you talked to us you encouraged us and I always appreciated it and that's kind of one of the things I wanted to get you on the show because uh, you you uh, inspired me and gave me a lot of good advice um, one thing I do always remember uh, the book you told me to read uh, the war of art um, this yeah. book yeah just it all it, this is probably one of the biggest influences on me um, the whole idea of uh, resistance that's what they talk about in the book uh, do you remember this book like this do you still think about this yeah yeah because that's as a creative, I don't care what it is you do creatively, whether it's, you know, you're a writer, you're a painter, you're a musician, you're a comedian. There's just this resistance that's in, within all of us that keeps us from doing the work we know we're supposed to do. And that, like, it'll camouflage itself as procrastination or I don't have the right laptop or it's too early in the morning or it's too late at night or, hey, my buddies want to go for a beer. I'm going to go do that. So there's always these things that just keep creeping in grabbing our time but if you're a creative and you're supposed to do that work then that's the work you're supposed to do and i think there's this romantic notion of like sitting around waiting to be inspired you know and then oh suddenly it hits you and then you do your thing and it's like if you want to make a living as a creative like you just got to get to work like there's no romantic notion like at 22 minutes the writers don't get to sit around and go well when an idea shows up i'll just open the laptop here it's like no like crank that out like let's go and you know, that's just the, the mode you got to have. It's a job. You know, if you want to have it as a career, you got to treat it as a job. So that book was uh, very, very helpful. You're right. The resistance. We all must look out for the resistance. <laughs> yeah, man. And uh, the cool thing about that book, uh, it almost gave me like a new um, gave me like a new relationship with fear or resistance because I actually realized like this isn't something that you get over. You don't get over fear or get over resistance. It's with you all the time. You have to build a relationship with it and be like, oh, when I see it, I'm going to I'm going to face it and go forward and keep moving like forward through it. Like um, now that you're on like a TV show, like do you still have that resistance keep popping up with you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because you always are putting out new ideas and you know what it's like, whether you're a comedian or an actor or you're doing sketches or whatever. You don't know how the audience is going to react on any given day to what you're doing when you're trying something new. So that uncertainty is always there. And the only way of knowing if it's going to work is to do it and to try it. And so people always say, you know, oh, you must be fearless to walk on stage. And I go, well, quite the contrary, actually. It's like it's just the ability to push through fear to get to that other point of like, no, I think something good is on the end of this. And also that if it doesn't do well, 
that's still survivable. That's not fatal. It's not like you die and you're like, your life's over. It's just like, oh, that didn't feel great, but you're getting information back from the audience as to why that didn't work. So clearly you go back to the drawing board and you try and either try the bit again somehow down the road or you rewrite a sketch or whatever, but that's just information coming back to you. So this notion of being fearless, I think is not, people throw that around and I don't, you're right. I think it's, it's human nature to be fearful because we're trying to protect ourselves. There's another great book actually on creativity called Big Magic, which is by uh, Liz Gilbert who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Okay. And she got a great book about creativity and where ideas come from and that very concept of fear just always being there. So she looks at fear as fear is almost like your passenger in the, in the passenger seat when you're driving to your next creative endeavor. And so you almost have to address fear like, all right, fear, I know what you're going to do. You're going to try and tell me that I can't go down this road and that we're going too fast and that we should be very careful. And by the way, you can come on the trip, but you don't get to work the radio. You don't get to control the map. You don't get to decide where we're going, but you're welcome to come along on the trip. And I think that's kind of how your relationship has to be with fear. Like it's always going to be there in some capacity. You just can't let it drive the car. No, I agree with that completely. I, I think, uh, especially for creatives, but like, like I said, like a lot of my listeners are like in other areas of life. Like uh, we have to deal with this thing in a different way and just get a different relationship from it. Or like, yeah, you just end up being stagnant. You get you uh, when you start letting fear fear hits you you end up like staying in your comfort zone just way too long and the results of that are way worse than going and failing right like we and like you said we fail like it, it's part of our gig like all the time is failure right like even on you said like this hour is 22 minutes like you still deal with failure right yeah yeah it's it's, it's just a part of the job it just goes part part and parcel with what you do and uh, you know, you're right to talk to people who I call civilians, people who aren't, you know, crazy, <laughs> crazy comedians who like, you know, go up and go, hey, everybody. But I mean, for, for people who are just living regular lives, you know, think about asking for a promotion at work and why you don't do that. Like, what is that voice in your head that prevents you from asking for that promotion or uh, asking the person out that you want to ask out on a date? What prevents you from doing that? And it's like drilling down on what those things are. And then being able to go, okay, well, what are the consequences? What am I so afraid of? And then moving through that. Everyone can use that in their daily life. I don't care who you are, what you do for a living. It's just that ability to acknowledge it and then realize that. There's another great quote from the book, I think, that Liz Gilbert says is that uh, fear is boring, man. Fear is like fear keeps you right where you are. Like you don't change anything. You take mm. the same route to work every day. You have the same breakfast every morning. It's like, oh, we got to stay in the box. We got to stay in the lane, you know? Like, and, and she's right. Fear is boring. If you listen to it, it, it'll keep you right where you are. You will not grow. You will not evolve. And um, there's another great quote. I don't know who said it, but that one about everything you want is on the other side of fear. And I think mm. that, hold, that holds true to everybody. Anything that you want to achieve or, you know, in terms of bigger, bigger picture or smaller picture, everything you want is on the other side of fear. So it's just the ability to move through it and realize that, you know, for the most part, it's not fatal. Oh, man, I love that quote. Yeah. On the other side of fear. And it's true. And like we got to get out of that uh, fear mindset because, yeah, it, it really does like um and I, one thing, like when you're talking about failure, because I think fear, like a lot of us, like when we're trying to go for something and we all start thinking in our head, like, oh, like this is going to happen or this is going to happen. Or we try to like, um, you know, we have that thing, but uh, 
also one thing like um we also have our dreams like so if we want to get to our dreams and we're trying to go that direction like sometimes you don't know how you're going to get there but you have to pass that fear and then like all of a sudden you'll see how weird opportunities come from different directions you weren't even expecting right yeah yeah exactly and it's like because i think we're brought up with like a roadmap sensibility of like here are the steps to cooking this meal. Here's how you go to school and you go from this grade to this grade and here's the curriculum and you pass and then you get a diploma and then you go on to universe. Like everything's been laid out for us in a kind of a linear fashion with each step, you know, as to what success looks like. But often when you're following your dreams, it's not laid out that way. You know, you're just following a compass more so than an actual roadmap with roads. You're just following like go north. That's all you know. You don't know anything else. You're just like, I got to go west in my case and it was like all right i don't know what the next step is but i know i gotta go west and then you're right you just figure it out along the way and i just finished watching the um the last dance the michael jordan doc i don't know if you've seen that you not seen yet it? not yet oh dude you will it'll be right up your alley just that athlete's mentality and jordan has a great line in it or one of the guys reporter says he goes Jordan is always in the moment. So whatever he's doing, he's in the moment right now. So in terms of taking that last shot at the end of the game, he's like, why would I be fearful about a shot I haven't taken yet? Mm. And I'm like, wow, like, you're right. Like, if you can paint two scenarios, you're going to take this shot. But he's like, I haven't done it yet. So why am I fearful about the consequences of missing it? Like, I haven't even taken it yet. So it's that ability to kind of just backpedal and just be in the moment, be in the process, enjoy the process. And divorce yourself of the outcome. Like you're doing a joke on stage, you're like, I don't know if it's going to work, but you're like, that doesn't matter. It's about the attempt of trying it to see if it does, and if it doesn't, then you move to the next step from there. But you can't be too worried about the outcome all the time. So that's what fear does. It's too far in the future. It's too far ahead. It's like, well, what if this happens? And what if I apply for the job and I don't get it? What if I ask for a raise and I'm turned down? Then he's probably going to think I'm trouble and I'm going to, you know, going to lose my job eventually down the road. Like we create all these scenarios that aren't even real. They haven't even happened yet. It's just we're trying to protect ourselves by projecting what we think is going to happen. And it, it keeps us in a box. We don't we don't expand. We don't grow. Yeah. And don't expand and don't grow is a big thing. And no, I like that. Stay in the moment. Uh, like. It's honestly kind of, since I started this podcast, like we've been talking a lot about uh, spirituality and stuff like that with a lot of my guests and like so much of it comes back to like be in the moment. Like there is just something just so freaking um, like just huge about that statement, right? Yeah. And the, other, the concept that I, that really blew my mind about that stuff too was like, you know, sitting with something, like the argument being made that something that you thought happened in your life that was really good Giving, given time, was it so good? Something that happened in your life that was really bad, given time, was it as bad as you perceived it to be when it originally happened? Like, everything is kind of interconnected. So if you just have to sit in the moment and then let things be what they're going to be at the end of the day and that you're right where you're supposed to be ultimately, like, that's kind of how I view things. Like, yeah, this sucks right now and it's shitty, but I'm like, in a month from now, I'll go, no, man, that was actually, that worked out because... It wasn't for that pain or that lesson i wouldn't have done the next thing and the next thing and the next thing that led me to this great thing you know yeah so it's like and the same can be said when something's really good you're like oh that's it i've reached it top of the mountaintop a month later you're like man no that's not actually what i thought it was going to be at all so 
you can't really put too much emphasis on it, good or bad, either way. There's just like right now and in the moment, if that makes any sense. Oh, it makes a ton of sense because uh, even when like uh, you're saying that, like if something bad happens to you and you can like actually process that and be like, how bad is this really? It kind of stops you from going into like really deep depressions or any kind of like really negative state. And it's the same thing if something's really good because we've all been there as like as a comedian where like some you might have a huge success or you're just like on cloud nine. But if you like get too lost in that and like kind of an egoic way, like you, you end up might even like building that ego or being more arrogant or like getting some negative things come out of it as well. While you should just be like, Hey, this was amazing and be grateful and just kind of be like, okay, like let it slide and be like, it's not the end all be all kind of thing. I, I, it makes a complete sense to me. Um, so, uh, this is actually a good transition. So like one thing I wanted to talk to you about, um, so when you came to Calgary, um, after like, so when I knew you, you were, um, kind of like this comedian in Calgary who was getting like all the great gigs. And I think you were working in the corporate world a lot. So like we all looked at you and I remember like a lot of our bookers and stuff always said like, Hey, Trent's the guy to kind of like look up to and like, um, kind of, uh, look at what he's doing. And like, so you were in this kind of a situation where you were making a great living. It seemed like, or at least that's what, how we saw it in Calgary doing a lot of corporate stuff and like, uh, just kind of doing the stuff that you were told to do kind of thing it looked like but then all of a sudden one uh, year you just kind of like it seemed like you just left all that behind and like you just went out there and started booking your own theater shows and uh, you just it just looked like you just changed completely your mindset of like how am i going to approach this um can you maybe give us a little insight into that and like do you think it was because of this that maybe later down the road like an opportunity like this hour as 22 minutes came yeah, it might be interconnected. I know if I take myself back to that time, you know what it's like when you first start in any new career. I think any door that opens, you're willing to walk through it. You know, it's like, oh, here's an opportunity. Here's a chance to kind of get on another stage. Here's a chance to make some more money. So I was like, okay, well, whatever that is. So when I had my day job and I was doing just like, you know, gigs on the road, bars and stuff and community centers, when I first started, you know, the money's not great. Like it's, you need to keep that day job. But then after I started doing some corporate comedy, it paid way more money. And I realized like, oh, I can leave my day job and go do corporate comedy a little bit. And that'll be my day job. Like the corporate comedy will be, I'll treat it like a day job. Like, yeah, it's not exactly what I want to be doing, but it's still stand up comedy and I'm getting paid really well. I'm still working my stand up chops. So it's great. The real thing I wanted to be able to do was just do the comedy I want to do, like uncensored, just say what I want to say, not worry about repercussions and find my own audience. That's what I wanted to do ultimately. And so one of the things I think I've been able to do is kind of check in with myself, you know, every once in a while and go like, am I happy doing what I'm doing? You know, because you can just get in this fashion of just doing things as you do them. And here we go. And after a while, I was like, yeah, but I started this because I wanted to be happy. I was just happy getting on stage when I first started. I didn't make any money just going to open mics and you're just having a good time hanging with your buddies and whatever. And then I was like, you start making some money, you start going to festivals and you can lose your way. You can kind of end up on a range road somewhere when you should be on the highway, if you know what I mean. And I realized, yeah, I got to get back to being happy and being happy means just doing the comedy that I want to do. So that's why I started booking my own venues and taking small risks on myself financially and, and booking venues and marketing and picking ticket prices and deciding on posters and what towns to play and, what nights and um, 
yeah, man, luckily it paid off. I mean, there's times when, you know, you do that and you roll the dice and it doesn't work out. But, again, you do it so that you're never, ever – it's never, ever fatal. So if a show doesn't sell out or it doesn't sell great, you're like, it's okay. It doesn't, it doesn't end my career. It's just one night in the scheme of a bigger picture, right? So it was just kind of that ability to get back and go, what makes me happy? What do I really want to do? But um, that was – I treated it like a day job start now. Yeah, um, honestly, and the one thing that I found so impressive impressive about that, it's like um, as comedians, and I think this is everybody, like any kind of uh, business you're in, like a lot of us are, are trained to think like there's a special way that things happen to you. There's a special way that success is given to you. And a lot of us kind of get into that whole idea of just kind of waiting until like, almost some sort of gatekeeper or something kind of like bestows like the success on you while like when we saw you do it and like not only that like your actions kind of uh, influenced a ton of us now where now we are always like oh no like you went out and said no i'm gonna go and make it myself and go create those opportunities and is that how you see it like you say like i'm creating these opportunities for myself yeah because one is coming from a place of power and control and the other one is not if you're sitting around waiting to be chosen by that festival that booker that corporate agent that comedy club then you just sit around waiting to be chosen the whole time whereas if you're like no i'm gonna i'm gonna decide where i'm gonna play i'm gonna put my own money into it and i'm gonna risk a few dollars to poster and to do social media and to get my own venue then you're calling the shots like you're you're like to me club comedy or corporate comedy was just a business model it's just like Here's what it is. A comedy club is just a room. They book so many comedians at a certain amount of money each night. They have drinks to sell, food to sell. And at the end of the day, they make money. It's a business model. Corporate comedy is the same thing. We're going to hire a comedian. We're going to take a percentage of that money. And uh, the comic will get a percentage of the money. It's just a business setup. So I went, okay, those are two I've already played in. What if I created my own business model where I get to call the shots of all of it? So I get to choose who I work with, what towns I play, um, all those things i control it all i just set up a new business model for myself you know so that's kind of how i looked at it otherwise i'll constantly be waiting to be chosen i'll constantly be like oh i didn't get the festival this year oh that club booker didn't want to book me you know like you're just bouncing around out in the universe waiting hoping to latch on to something and i was like i can't live like that the rest of my life you know i needed some security and some stability where i'm calling the shots so that was kind of the epicenter of that whole process that's uh no that's crazy i love it um so when when you went down that path and you started doing this stuff for yourself like did you see your comedy change did you say see your like creativity change yeah because i felt like i wasn't restricted anymore i wasn't worried about oh the person who's signing the check in the back of the room who's the human resources or ceo of the company is like going oh i don't know if i like that word (laughs) you know you know those corporate vibes right so i'm like no, I want to go play a venue, a nice venue with great sound and great light. And I want it to be a night out for people. And I want people to come see me because they want to come see my style of comedy. Like, I'm not trying to win them over. They're like, no, I already know what you do. And I'm coming to see you do what you do, as opposed to playing a banquet hall at like 12 noon at the end of a conference when people are like, yeah, I'd rather be drinking right now up the bar. You know, but I got to listen to this jackass talk about oh, dairy yeah. cream or whatever. You know what I mean? You've done those. Yeah. And you know, you feel like you're forcing it on them. Remember those? Oh, I hated those. <laughs> and, and you're like, oh, this is the biggest check I've made in like the last year. And you're like, I got to do this. But you're just like, damn it. Yeah, yeah. I used to be in my mind. I remember being in the middle of a bit. And I'd be like in my mind going, 
how much am I getting paid to do this? Because this is just death right now. This is just not fun. And again, it's not fun. It's like, so why did I start this in the first place? Why did I choose this path to be a comedian, like acting? It's like, because it's fun. It's enjoyable. It can be work. But ultimately, you feel, you know, you feel fulfilled and you're happy doing it. So if it's not, then I'm like, well, something's off. Something's wrong. And that's that's kind of where I made that switch. Yeah. And honestly, um, like, so that's kind of the reason I moved away from Calgary, too. Like, uh, a few years ago when I was there and I was uh, getting these corporate gigs. And, like, I was like, okay, now I'm making some money out of this. And, like, a part of me, like, the first year you're making money, I felt proud of myself. And then all of a sudden that, like, oh, what am I doing thing started think, kink, kicking in because, like, I hated the shows and, like, the stuff I was writing. Like, there was stuff I wrote when I was at shows that I liked that uh, I felt like I just had free expression and I just went and did my thing. And it was just so different than the stuff that I did uh, on these corporate gigs. And I was just like, what the hell am I doing? And that's, like, why I moved to Toronto because, like, now I'm here, I, I at least uh, I do feel like I have more control over my creativity. And that's honestly why I'm starting Starting like a podcast like this it's just like this, these are what I want to talk about and now I want to like start throwing these themes in my comedy as well and I'm already seeing myself grow so much as an artist because of that and like now like even like seeing guys like you I'm confident that like I'm going to eventually get the success out of that as well when it comes down to me like uh, when yeah. you know when the time and uh, time's put in right yeah and the beautiful thing about it is dude like you know I think about this all the time there's people out there who make you know $500,000 a year, $300,000 a year who are miserable. Like, I mean, like in any profession in the world. So it's like, would you sacrifice a little bit less money or maybe a lot less money, but rather be doing something that you enjoy doing? You know what I mean? Like, that's the way I look at it. I go like, okay, if you, if money's all you're worried about, then there's lots of jobs you can go do to make the most money you can make. But I'm like, that's not why I started. And I'm pretty sure it's probably not why you got into comedy either. You got into it because you're like, man, this is, I feel like this is what I'm meant to do. Yeah, you got to make a living at it. So, yeah, man, it's like it's it's getting back to that true north, which is probably what you did in that situation of like, yeah, man, I, I don't like this road I'm on. I don't. Yeah, I got a bit more of some bones in my account, but yeah, I don't feel good, you know. And so I think good for you, man, for being uh, squaring up and listening to yourself. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I appreciate that, man. And fucking, uh, yeah, like, and like you said, dealing with that fear, like uh, moving to Toronto, which I'm pretty sure it's probably the same when you move to Calgary. You're just like, you're going to a place and uh, you have that voice in your head that's constantly like, you know, giving you that, uh, what are you going to do if this happens? What, what are you going to find a job? Or do you have money? Like, um, what happens if you don't get a place? Like, all that stuff, like, is there. And when I came here, I didn't have a lot of those questions answered, but they all got answered and they all, yeah. it all worked out. And I did have some tough times, but like now I'm having a lot better times and I'm in a way, way better place than I was when I was in Calgary because I freaking made that move. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a testament, man, to anybody who just follows that, whatever that voice is or that gut intuition you have. And like I said, you didn't have all the steps figured out. You didn't know where you're going to live or what it's going to look like. You just trusted that you'd figure it out. And I think the more people trust themselves, the better they are. It's like when you don't trust that you can get through it, that's when people get stuck and they're, they're kind of locked in by fear. But once you go like, no, man, I've been through tough shit before and I've had tough times and I got through it. And I look at this, man, I go like, I've survived every day of my life. 
you know? <laughs> so he goes, I'm like, I'm like, I'm undefeated. I'm undefeated. You know, <laughs> you know what? I, I, you that make a good point. I think I'm going to have to bet on you. Put down some money. Yeah, I mean, dude, right now, I'm like, uh, I'm undefeated, man. I'm telling you right now. It's like, so, and like, we're all undefeated, right? Like, you've been, we've all been through shit and relationships and job loss and tough financial times and whatever you got going on in your life, but like you're here, like mm-hmm. you made it. So, you know, you should have that confidence that like, yeah, whatever the next storm is, whatever it is, I don't know what it's going to be yet, but I'll figure it out. You know, once you trust that you, it, there's not that pressure anymore. You're not, you don't feel locked and confined either. Mm-hmm. So I think more people need to trust that. Yeah. And actually that's like, you just saying that uh, it kind of like shows your attitude. Like uh, you've always been like optimistic in my eyes. Like, is that something that you think you are mostly? Uh... Um, I think I had to develop, but I think a lot of it came from the sports background, like playing soccer at a pretty high level. And you know, it's like in sports, you, you train and train, you got goals and then you don't meet your goal and it's heartbreak. And then you got to dust yourself off and, train again and new season now and so like i think that really helped me build a sense of resilience and a sense of okay that's all right that's stung but we gotta move on to the next thing and then a bunch of years ago i don't know man maybe about six seven years ago i started getting into mindfulness like it started really going on paper my career looked like it was great it was like I'm making good money and i'm playing good gigs and whatever but i was like i still wasn't happy if that makes any sense i still felt like unfulfilled in a way and I started reading about mindfulness and I read this book called The Untethered Soul. And then I read um, a bunch of other books on that and I started doing meditation. And then that was a game changer because it just allowed me to kind of step back from thoughts and feelings I was having about certain things and realizing that all of it's temporary. All of this is just like clouds floating by in your head and there's always blue sky there, but these are just things floating by and it's gonna be temporary. The good things and the bad things. So. Once I was able to step back from that, I, I think I became more positive because I realized like, okay, I don't have to be as reactionary to everything and be as affected by things in, on the outside all the time. Because, you know, in this world, I mean, it's so unpredictable and things come and go and you, even TV now, like you could be off a show tomorrow or your show is canceled or the gig gets canceled or the gig doesn't go well. So you can't stay in this roller coaster of emotion and good and bad. It's like, how do you level out? And meditation and mindfulness really helped me do that. Okay, that's amazing. All right, I had no idea you were into meditation. Um, that's I was yeah. gonna ask you that too. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, like that, uh, like I'm a huge meditation mindfulness nut myself. So like that's a great thing to hear, and it's kind of cool how you said like uh, step back from your thoughts, and it like also kind of uh, the threads with our earlier conversation about resistance and fear. Like you got to be able to step back from both of those, and uh, in meditation terms, it would say like don't identify identify with that because like when you identify with that fear or with those thoughts especially if they're negative like uh that's where it starts sucking you in and that's where um yeah and then you can't really um then you're like so identified with them they have more control over you so they start pulling you rather than you being able to step back let them go and then you can make your decisions from there like from what you truly want yeah exactly and i feel like you know, it's, it's dangerous times right now, especially with like cell phones and you know social media, like people being overwhelmed by stimulus all the time or that need for stimulus. And so you wake up in the day and the first thing you do is grab your phone. And what's that? It's a bunch of news from the outside world or someone trying to text you or message you. So you haven't even started your day and you're already just letting the world pour into your door, like into your head, you know? So 
small things like just trying to have quiet time to start the day and like, hey, I'm going to try and meditate for a few minutes or just be quiet for, you know, a bunch of minutes first. Like before you open that door, that portal, that phone, that laptop, whatever it is to let in the outside world. It's like just get yourself calibrated mentally to to approach a day was a game changer, you know? And I thought, I don't know if you thought this, but when I first started meditating, I thought it was only good when you were doing it. You know what I mean? It was like, okay, like, this is good. I understand. It's a good exercise for my brain. Get it. Didn't realize how powerful it was. Like, now for the rest of your day, you're mindful of thoughts and feelings that you're having or you're about to react to something and you catch yourself because you're able to step back from the moment and from the feeling. That, to me, was a superpower. I was like, that is that has saved me a million times in the past five years, just that ability to to pause for a quick, for a, like I call it a breath, just a breath. That's, you, know, like, you know what I mean? And that's all it takes. That's all it takes is just that breath, that pause. And uh, no, I, I've been uh, like, I've been meditating for like over 13 years now. And like um, uh, when I found that out as well, like, oh, like you got to take this practice outside of your meditation practice. And that's <laughs> when it like becomes like truly like life changing. Um, and like, yeah, you're true. Uh, you're right. Like, um, so the first thing I gained with meditation was this emotional control. So like when I would get lost in anger, that was the first time like I would be able to step back and then watch the anger arise and be like, oh like ah like i see that like now i see it arise like now it doesn't like catch me and now i don't go off in some stupid angry rant like a freaking neanderthal (laughs) (laughs) so like that was like my first like kind of control i got with meditation where i'm like okay like now i get this and then like later on i had started to use it with my anxieties when like that's a much tougher battle for me and uh, it did take me a longer time to really like allow uh, have mindfulness help me with anxieties and like i'm not gonna lie uh psychedelics kind of helped me with that too a little bit because uh psychedelics kind of push you into that um uh, present moment a lot easier into that meditation space and uh that really helped with the anxieties as, as well and um now uh, like uh, that i'm like uh so far along with it i'm actually starting to like now actually look at uh, the stories I tell myself about like actually who I am. And like now when you get deeper and deeper into meditation, now you can start actually looking at those and then you can be like, oh shit, like these aren't real either. <laughs> and, like, uh, and that's uh, your whole like, kind of identity can kind of like uh, fall off, but in a good way because like you can kind of build it up the way you want to like in the after and afterwards, right? So yeah. I totally agree. And and it's funny, like knowing you a bunch of years, it's like, I didn't before you, like before I knew you meditated, I, I was just like, oh, that guy's so chill. And he's like, you know, pretty laid back. And then it kind of makes sense. It's like, yeah, because you've done that. You've done that mental work. You've done that work already of going like, yeah, I don't need to react to every single thing that's going on out there, bad or good, really. It's like, going, hey, man, you know, it is it is what it is. And you seem to always have that ability. And I think that's what I feel bad for right now. I feel bad for people who are living in this kind of social distancing era. Like if you have never sat in your shit before, like, you know what I mean? Like those, those things that go on in your head and you've never ever had to do it. It's tough. Like, so to me, what a great time to discover mindfulness and meditation. Like right now in this time of like such, so much uncertainty, anxiety, probably blowing up in your mind. If you never had it before, you probably have it now. And what a great time to start, you know, adopting that practice and thinking about, okay, well, what is that thought I have in my head and why do I have it? And how long has it been there? 
And what does it really mean? And is it actually true? Like just breaking it down and sitting in it as opposed to just, you know, reacting to that feeling as soon as it comes in and being fearful or lashing out or, you know, you see it on social media now, people just, you know, firing stuff at each other. And it's like, just take a breath. Just step back for a second if you can. So it's a great time to start a practice for people who haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and like like you said about social media, like that could be, and that's my biggest weakness right now. And I, I do recognize it and I like sometimes get stupid and like, I, I know what's bad for me, but sometimes like I'm bored, like especially during this pandemic. So like I might just start looking at my phone and then all of a sudden I'm just like, uh, you know, you like there fucking so much outrage in our culture right now. So sometimes, <laughs> yeah. you know, sometimes you just like get sucked into it and then you just start going, you idiot, like because then those patterns just start playing out in your head and they like they stay with you after. Like if I'm looking at my phone for 20, 30 minutes and like I'm looking at shit that's like making me like emotionally stimulated me especially in like an outrage way like then when i go out for a walk or something i start seeing these thoughts coming out like in that same like kind of taste of outrage and you're just like jesus like this isn't healthy yeah yeah you're feeding you know, that say you're feeding the wrong wolf right you got the two wolves inside you and it's like you're feeding the wrong wolf man you gotta feed the other wolf you know? positivity some good stuff some acts of kindness like just you find what you're looking for you know so yeah I, dude, i've been there too dude i've been and i've had stuff typed up you know to send to somebody and i'm like ah, okay what am i doing I'm like, <laughs> But but even like mindfulness allows you to take that pause before you hit send or before you you know before you launch it. You're like, okay, wait a minute, man. Read read this thing. Like, okay, his thing wasn't that bad at all, actually. Now that I look at it, and, uh, uh, uh. but you just get more rational. And I'm telling you, man. I think meditation in general should be taught in schools. It should be, it should be like not mandatory for things, but like it should just it should be put as an option for in, in place of many more things. I think you know in terms of relationship issues with people, whether it's between friends or family members or, you know, in a romantic relationship, you know, relationship with your children, if you're a parent, uh, with coworkers, like it's just, it's a game changer. I think it's just, it is a game changer. And I don't think we'd have half the problems in the world we'd have if people just had that ability to just, just pause for a second, you know? Oh yeah. I agree completely. Um, so can I ask you then, like, uh, if now that you said meditation and, uh, like, mindfulness, uh, is there any other kind of disciplines or kind of spiritual practices or anything like that that uh, are really important to you? Yeah, I do two things. When I'm really going at a high level, when I feel like I'm at my best, I'm doing I'm meditating every day. And I also end that meditation with a gratitude practice. So I think of three things that I'm grateful for and kind of sit in those for a second, you know, so... I'm grateful for this thing, but why am I grateful for it? You know, like really, really picturing it and thinking about it. And that also helps rewire your brain for the day to now look for things that are positive and that you are grateful for, you know? So that that's a hardwiring thing that I try to do every day when I'm really firing. Um, and the other thing dude, with this whole pandemic thing, the first two weeks, I'll be honest, was really hard because it was so, man, uncertainty and how long are we gonna be in this thing and, and just anxiety ridden and stuff. And then I just developed a little bit of a structure where I'm like, okay, I'm going to try and meditate every day, drink lots of water. I want to exercise every day, whether that's just a good brisk walk outside. And it was amazing how those things also change your mood. You know, you're not sitting around watching news and like statistics and political fighting and people being nasty on social media. I'm like, no, I'm actually going out and exercising and releasing endorphins in my head. And I've already got my mind wired because I've already done my meditation. So like you're locked and loaded. Like you're already walking through the world 
with just these glasses on that like everything's I'll be fine. Whatever happens, I'm gonna be great. I got a lot of stuff to be grateful for. And it's like those things, man, I'm telling you, it's it's again, it's again I know I said it a couple of times, but it's a game changer in terms of how you wanna start your day. And then when the shit comes, and it's gonna come, whatever it is, all of us have to deal with adversity every day of our lives. It just doesn't hit as hard. It just doesn't you just you feel like you're armored up and you're ready to to accept whatever comes and that you also have the faith that you'll get through whatever it is. Like, okay, I don't know the answer right now, but I will figure it out. And um, once you have that, you don't walk around with the same amount of anxiety and tension and, um, you know, animosity that people walk around with uh, from a day-to-day basis. Oh, hundred percent, man. Um, I love that gratitude thing too. That's uh, so important. And, uh, it's something like, I think a lot of people talk about and I, I do as well. And sometimes I forget it, but, uh, the, and like, I like how you said, sit with it, like think about what you're grateful for and sit with it because the main point about any kind of gratitude work is like, actually bringing up the feeling of gratitude like uh, gratitude's an an actual like emotion that we feel and uh, when you actually do sit with it and like say like oh i'm really grateful for like what this person did for me and you sit with it and that emotion builds like that like i even even noticed with it like when you do feel that and then like later when you go and look at life like you said your brain's looking at different stuff like your brain's yep. wired to look at the world completely different than if you didn't do any of those practices. And let's say if you uh, just look at your phone for a half hour and you're angry and outraged, now your brain's completely wired to go look at the world in that kind of lens rather than the grateful lens, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, it's like you go to a, a drive through a, a coffee, a, a Tim Hortons drive through You get to the drive through and there's like seven cars ahead of you. Now, what mindset are you going to pick in that moment? You can go like, oh, man, can you believe this? Look how far back this thing is. I'm dying for coffee. Are you serious? You mess up my day. Or you're like, oh, man, look at all these people just sitting here patiently. No one's freaking out. No one's got any road rage. No one's losing it. People are just like, yeah, we're all just going to sit here. and Eventually, we're all going to get our coffee. But like, if you're going through a rage cycle or an anger cycle, you hit that lineup at that coffee shop, and it's time to blow. It's time to like. <laughs> I'm leaning on the horn. I'm like, what's this fucking guy doing? Is he serious? Like, you're just in that world. But if you've already done the wiring in the morning with the gratitude stuff and you're, you've meditated, you're going like, ah, this is a quiet time. I'm not in a rush. I'm, I'm where I am. I'm going to sit in the moment. I'm going to get my coffee in a couple minutes. Oh, I just, oh, I actually just noticed someone just paid for someone's coffee in the car behind. They just paid for the other person. Like, you, you just look through different lenses. You know, you're seeing the same lineup and it's the same scenario, but you're just seeing things you wouldn't normally look look for it, you know? And I, and then we, you and I both had this experience, I'm sure. When you're around people like that who are positive and just like, you just want to be around those people. Like you just leave that scenario plus one all the time. You leave energized. You're like, man, that was great. When you're around the person who's complaining all the time and it's like, man, can you believe this shit? And like, like you feel that. That's like contagious. Like it's, you're, you're, you also feel negative one now. So I'm always like, I'd rather be plus one. I'd rather be the person who makes people feel plus one. And I'd also like to feel plus one when I'm around other people. You know what I mean? But people live in that negative headspace. Everything is negative. Everything sucks. Nobody's good enough. Everyone's stupid. And um, like, no one wants to be around those people. Yep, and uh, like I remember when I was younger, like high school and college, like I never understood that. Like when you're around those kind of people, either one like you how much you absorb and like how much that does uh affect your thinking afterwards and uh yeah like you're right you got to uh 
you got to be around people who can inspire you or uh, encourage you at least, or at least like, yeah, don't fill you up with like just angry thoughts or anger and like that you absorb it, like you really do absorb it. And that's another part of like self care is like actually making those tough decisions sometimes to like being like, all right, this person's like just way too negative. I need to get away from it. And it's, yeah, and sometimes those decisions are hard to make because, like, sometimes it involves somebody we like really do care about as well, right? Yeah, and you you realize you kind of create your own reality too, right? Like, lots of people are full of excuses as to why they can't do this, why they can't go to the gym, why they can't whatever. And I'm not saying they're not obstacles. Like, everyone's got their own mountain to climb. I'm not your mountain is your mountain. That's another thing I believe. Like, I don't believe in comparing mountains. Like, oh come on, Noor, like really that's a problem for you when really this i'm like no no if you think it's a problem then it's an actual problem to you like you know what i mean like we don't get to weigh what's worse and whatever but at the end of the day you can get through it in some way like if you're really determined and you really want to get dig down and be honest with yourself people can find a way through things and i mean when i look at my own life and yeah i've had hard times too but there's someone who's had it harder than me i can guarantee you there's someone who's like yeah i'll take your situation today you know what i mean and one of my mottos on 22 Minutes is, like, when you have a hard day, I always think to myself, John Calipari, the coach of Kentucky Wildcats basketball team, so it's one of the number one programs in the country, obviously, and they get all the, a lot of the best players. And when they're going through a tough stretch, he tells the players, there's no crying on the yacht. No one wants to hear you crying on the yacht. It's like you're, you're at a top school. You are a top athlete. We have taken it in the teeth today. But ain't no crying on the yacht. It's like, <laughs> on a yacht. No one wants to. My yacht's not big enough. I, the waves are choppy. It's like, you be grateful for where you are, and we get back to work. I, I always think of it that same. That's, I love that saying, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I, I got too much money. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, my, and my argument is that, too, like, everybody's on a yacht to some capacity, right? Like, Yo, you that's... Canada, like, you live in Canada, Dude. like, I'm sure the people in other countries are like, that's a yacht. You're, I love that. A yacht. I, I had to go walk 10 miles to get clean water every day. And I don't have, you know, malaria drugs for my kids. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're in Canada. Now, there's stations within that and a hierarchy, obviously, too. But I'm just saying, you know, anyone could argue that they're on a yacht based on what someone else's experience in life is. Oh, man, I love that. That's such a good saying, man. Everyone's on a, on a yacht. And uh, I want to like also link that to the gratefulness uh, saying like sometimes people have and like we when we we're going through stop top times it's really hard to find gratefulness or even like and people think like a gratefulness practice is really stupid in that time but if you do have that thinking like going hey everyone's on a yacht like why am I on a yacht and then that's yeah. where you can you can kind of start from there and be like what am I grateful for from there and honestly it's such a it, it takes a while, but like when you can start actually bringing that feeling into you, it's very transformative. So uh, that and that's the point of this podcast. So I uh, hope people uh, take a little bit of uh, like take that advice and give it a shot. Uh, all right, buddy. So uh, this is the name of the podcast. I gotta ask you. Uh, you can answer any way you want. I don't care. But uh, God, God, yay or nay? Oh wow, that's interesting. Um... Is it a short answer or a long answer? Question? Oh, it's a long answer question because uh, one thing I've uh, been noticing is like uh, we all have uh, different ideas of what it is. Um, even the word God, that means something right. different to like completely everybody. So it, it's been okay. kind of, yeah. So like you can kind of answer in uh, any way you want, man. 
I was uh, I was raised in like a Catholic family, so like, and I went to a Catholic school. Like my elementary school was Catholic, junior high, high school, like, like Christian brothers at the school. Like it was strict, you know what I mean? Like, and it was like you're going to church three and four times a week for different things. So this stuff was like pressed upon me pretty early in my life. And then as I got older, I just started questioning things. Like, okay, that doesn't make sense, and I don't really know if I agree with that, and whatever. So. I'm at a point now in my life where I feel, I don't know if I believe in God as such as in a being who's like created all of this stuff, but I believe in energy. I believe like, because energy is something that I can, it, to me is tangible. Like we can prove it. Like your heartbeat be, beats because of energy. Your lungs work because of actual energy, electrical impulse that makes a move. When we die, that energy leaves our body and we're left lifeless. We're left with nothing. And I feel like that energy is contagious, as we just talked about. Like, you can walk into a room and shake somebody's hand, and you can feel something sometimes. Mm -hmm. Other times, you can feel something, and it's not a good feeling at all. You're like, I don't know, man. That, that guy made me feel kind of, you know, like, so I believe energy is a real thing. And so that's what I believe in, because I don't know if religion, organized religion, God can explain the things that I need explaining. And also, if there is a God, I feel like, well, I'm just going to be a good person. And if I can try and be the best person I can be with lots of flaws, granted, and I own those, but if I can be the best person I can be, I don't need a middleman between me and God then. I don't need a person in a uniform and a structure that I have to go to that now that makes me worthy of whatever. It's like, no, I'm just going to be a good person, try and be as kind as I can be on a daily basis. And whatever's waiting after this life, if there is something waiting, then hopefully that'll be enough to be like, yeah, you went about it the right way. You weren't a hundred percent, but you know, you, you did the right things and you believe what you believe, but the middleman and just all that stuff. I just don't, I just can't buy into that. Yeah. Me neither, man. I was, like, I think when it came, comes to religion, like I came from a Muslim family and like, I, so I did like a lot of the same stuff as you, but through mosque and everything. And, uh, I, I like I find it very similar. Actually, I actually went to a Christian uh, a Christian uh, youth camp because uh, you know they had laser tag and swimming pools. Of course, I'm gonna go to it. <laughs> what, are you kidding? Like, I'll I'll cheer for the other I'll cheer for the other team for a couple weeks. You know, <laughs> for laser that's tag. <laughs> that's what I've heard heaven is actually just constant laser tag up there. Just uh, Chris. Pew, 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 Chris Gordon laser stabs up there, and it's, uh, it's a good time. So. Uh, no, but it's true. Like, uh, I had the same uh, kind of feeling. I don't, uh, like, now the institution of religion and, like, that kind of somebody telling me. But, uh, yeah, I, I do have some, maybe energy is a good word. Uh, I'm, it's kind of funny, like, now, like, I'm doing a bunch of these podcasts. Everybody has kind of, like, a different um, way they kind of almost uh, – conceptualize this whole idea of like something that's like almost greater like you kind of say energy like I, I sometimes say like there's like almost like an intelligence or like a oneness that you can kind of tap into and uh yep. yeah and like uh, yeah it's kind of interesting do you did you ever feel like uh meditation might have like influenced that whole idea of like energy to you at all yeah i think so because the first few times i meditated i had some powerful experiences with it where i was like I just kind of felt one with the universe and like, I felt like connected to everything. And it was just, it was a powerful, powerful moment. And I also had to learn that I couldn't judge people based on their beliefs either. Like to me, whatever regulates you and keeps you going true North and keeps you being kind and 
trying to be the best person you can be, then I support that. As long as it doesn't hurt other people or take advantage of other people, then I'm like, I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe it's meditation. Maybe you like to go for a long walk. Maybe it's coffee for the, with a friend. Maybe it's going to a mosque and praying or going to a church or whatever that is for people. Like, I think that's important for them. And as long as they're not taking advantage of anybody else, then I'm like, you do you. You do what you got to do. For some people, it's music, I'm sure. Like, but I think you need to tune into what that is for you and really let it in. Whatever that is, you got to go, okay, that's what I believe. And I'm going to, I'm going to hold true to that. And, um, I, I don't have to be right. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but as I got older, I realized like, oh, I don't got to be right on everything. Like I can actually go into a conversation and go, oh, I didn't know that. Nor that's crazy. I thought it was this like, oh man, that's wild. I don't got to win the conversation. If that makes mm. any sense. Hey. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it completely changes the whole flow of the conversation when you don't have to win because now you're yeah. not now you're not trying to one up the other person. You're trying to actually learn from the other person. So it's yeah. uh, completely yeah. different, right? I think people get to a certain age where it's a stand up premise I want to take up, actually, where it's like I think people sometimes get to a certain age or period of their life where they're like, that's it. That's all the stuff I know. And uh, I don't have any more room for anything else. I'd have to get rid of something to let something else in. And I'm not getting rid of anything. So uh, that's it. That's what I believe. And the tank is full. Like, there's no more. Hey, but what if that? Nope can't let it no room sorry uh we're, we're all, all the rooms are sold out um so and i don't i don't want to be that guy i want to be like okay i can still grow and evolve and learn and um you know that's where the life is that's where the excitement is yeah man i i love that and actually like go on that same wavelength like from doing this podcast like one thing i'm learning is like yeah none of my beliefs i really kind of like I don't really see them as beliefs anymore. I kind of see them like, all right, like I, I kind of see them as temporary almost. Like they're there and like, uh, th like they kind of help me right now because like they're the best things I know. But like now I kind of see them as temporary in the sense that like, oh, I want to always be learning and bringing in new stuff because like, uh, yeah, a lot of my beliefs, uh, they're yeah, like you can't really when you become too rigid with them. That's like when you start like closing off parts of your world and i don't like that right yeah yeah i agree and i think i think that's what happens to people in general that fear thing kicks back in like well i said i was this and i've been this for 20 years and people know me as this so therefore to now change my beliefs or change how i'm living whoa that'd be like that'd be pretty shocking to everybody else because i've always been this person or whatever and i'm like you gotta let go of all that shit like just if you don't believe that anymore you don't believe that anymore like do what serves you going forward Again, long as it doesn't hurt anybody, I'm like, you need to listen to that that intuition, you know. So, um, just giving yourself permission, man. It's so important to just give yourself permission. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we're pretty much done here, man. But uh, before we go, uh, I just wanted to ask you. Uh, you have a great podcast. It's called the Generators Podcast. Um, so you've been doing that for a while now, and uh, like I know you do a lot of like you interview a lot of creative people, and you try to like find out like what motivates them can you maybe give us a little idea of like uh i think you've done almost 50 episodes if i'm not yeah, mistaken yeah. uh yeah so yeah. can you give us a little idea of like maybe what you've learned over all these different episodes of like uh like these people with creativity and what pushes them what motivates them i feel like one of the common threads through a lot of it is a lot of people have been through times where they were uncertain and insecure and that they didn't have all the answers but they kind of followed that intuition anyway and kind of went through it and they figured it out at the other end but it's a constant it's a constant journey and battle it's not like you arrive at some point in your career and now every door opens and 
the ideas just flow all the time. Like that just doesn't exist, you know? And one of the, the phrases I love is this whole thing of like another level, another devil. Like you get to a certain stage, you think that's it. Okay. Easy sailing. It's like, nope, here comes another obstacle. And so the importance of really enjoying just the process of what you're doing, whatever that is for a living or your daily life, because the rain is going to come anyway. So you might as well just enjoy the process of it and just have control over that as opposed to basing it on the outside stuff. But that seems to be a common thread through a lot of people is that like, yeah, that was a tough time. And I got through it as a band, you know, I had the lead singer, the watchman on podcast and he talks about how the band was, you know, such a big thing in the nineties. And then they eventually broke up and then they realized, Oh man, we really had a good time. We had something really special and they get back together, but now it's on different terms in terms of what their expectations are for their band and their career. It's just more fun. And I'm like, like he didn't have to share that, right? It could have been just about the music and here's what we did. And he's like, it was vulnerable, you know, and that's what I'm looking for in these podcasts and discussions is vulnerability. If you can get the guests to just let their guard down and go like, Hey, and so I like to mirror stuff first. Like I'll share something that maybe like I was a bit lost. And then I find when I do that, the guests often will say like, Oh yeah, actually, man, I also had, and then they will, will trade. So as opposed to just a straight up, like, here's a question, here's a question, you know? So <clears throat> I really been enjoying it. Oh, that's awesome, man. It's a great podcast and check it out, guys. So uh, Trent, uh, let, uh, let, our, let my audience know where they can uh, get a hold of you and uh, where, where you want them to follow you and uh, get the podcast and all that stuff. Yeah, you can find me on uh, Instagram, Twitter at uh, Trent underscore McClellan. Uh, you can go to my website, TrentsComedy.com. I'm also on the Book of Faces. And uh, yeah, man, uh, lots of stuff going on. And uh, podcast episodes are going to be coming fast and furious here in the next little bit. So uh, yeah, so you can check it out. Also, man, well done to you. This podcast is great. So I'm glad things are uh, things are cooking for you there in Toronto. Hey, cheers, my man. Uh, I appreciate that. And everybody, watch this hour as 22 minutes. Uh, we're all proud of Trent. Uh, he's a fucking Calgary hero. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Take care. Hey, everybody, that was this week's episode. Thank you so much uh, for listening. I appreciate the support. The best way you can uh, support this podcast is by going on to Apple or iTunes and rating this podcast. Um, If you give it a good rating and leave a nice comment, honestly, that's the best way to do it. Uh, Please check me out on Instagram or uh, YouTube under Newer Kidwife. I'm constantly going to be sharing clips of this podcast and also uh, telling you when new episodes are out and sharing a little bit of my comedy. So thank you so much uh, and uh, tune in to another episode next time on God, yay or nay. <laughs>